0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 395. We're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. My name is Tom Harris. Welcome along to the show. Okay, so here at the top of the show, I do have a couple of things to talk about for a change. The first is that last week I reported that we had some mail come in that was delayed by Gmail for whatever reason. I don't know what it was, um, but I didn't receive uh, this feedback that was sent at the beginning of January. I didn't receive it until uh, the middle of March, so it's some sort of glitch. Don't know what all happened. I was going to read it out this week. I've changed my mind about that. I'm actually going to read it out next week, and because it actually has to do with the mythology episode that I released around Christmas time. And I think thematically it fits in more with what we talk about in our mythology segments. That being said, the mythology show next week is going to be another oddball. It's not going to be the, the reading of mythology for reasons that will become very clear shortly. So as you're all aware, we have a couple of anniversaries coming up here. We've got the uh, 10 year anniversary of radio free Asgard on May 11th. And we've also have Episode number four hundred, and for various reasons, neither one of those is really the <laughs> the actual anniversary or, or whatever. Because I, of course, we started working on radio free Asgard. Paul and I did back you know a long time before the show actually came out. But the uh, the first episode I believe was was posted on May eleventh of of twenty eleven. So we're going to count that for all intents and purposes as the tenth anniversary. And then shortly thereafter, we have episode number 400. Now, it'd be really easy to go down the sort of weird rabbit hole where I have to explain that episode 400 is really not episode 400. It's really like episode 403 or or something of that nature. And I, I really don't want to do that. Um, So anyway, it's all going to be combined. the, the, The celebration of the 10 years of Radio Free Asgard and our 400th episode is going to be in the episode labeled episode number 400, mostly to make it easier. That being said, I actually have another announcement to make, and that is that episode 400 is going to be the final episode of this podcast, and I know that some of you out there might be upset by this. I know that, that others of you might not care that much. And and probably still more of you are just like, well, you know, you know, Godspeed. It's it's up to you. It's your show. You know, good luck and whatever you do. And and to, to all of you, even the ones that get upset about it, I, I really do appreciate the responses. You know, it's not an easy decision to make when you consider that I've been doing this show for a decade and it's been a big part as kind of what I I have called the geeky heartbeat of, of my creative life for the last 10 years. You know, we'll, we'll talk more about that. You know, like I said, in, in episode 400, but just let it be known that, you know, I'm, it's, I'm not stopping it because I don't like doing the show I'm stopping it for other reasons that include other projects that I'm working on that are not podcast-related or comics-related, things that I do feel have a time value that would benefit me putting more energy into those projects and not being distracted by by things like, like the podcast. I'm not saying that the podcast will never come back, but if it does, I would want it to be in a different format with co-hosts and have other people doing some of the work and not be the only one doing it. That kind of, of a of a schedule can be very draining for one person and that is the experience that I've had. That being said, I really appreciate all of, all of you listeners and I didn't want to pod fade or just disappear without any kind of explanation whatsoever. So we're doing this as a planned ending and a series finale, we have a big party at the end, and hopefully everybody's happy with that. And then, if people want to listen to the the show, they miss the show, they've got ten years of episodes worth that they can go back and listen to, and and hopefully will enjoy them. Because you know, of course, all of my archives are going to remain available for download. Uh, the hosting is still going to be paid for uh, for as long as I am able to. Uh, gonna keep the you know the, the websites up keep the episodes up and so leave these out there for people to enjoy um, that that's my plan anyway all right so enough of that depressing talk let's go ahead and move along we're going to be changing gears here and our final story arc that we're going to be covering in Radio Free Asgard is Ultimate Thor and we're going to start our coverage right after this awesome. Rainbow Bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar, you behold in grandless wonder the God of Thunder, mighty Thor. And this week we are covering Ultimate Thor, number one. Cover date was December of 2010, cover price was $3.99 cover art is by uh carlos pacheco among other people shows a thor-like character and he looking you know not quite like the classic thor but he's uh you know long hair beard he's carrying a hammer that looks uh, dis- disturbingly like uh beta ray bill's hammer stormbreaker uh but with a fancy long handle which looks like it came off a piece of uh Queen Anne-era furniture. Uh, Beautiful cover here. Thor is holding his large hammer, and it is crackling with lightning, and in the background we see some kind of uh, rock formations of of some odd type, Uh, so maybe they'll explain that in the issue, and maybe they won't. Interestingly, we do not see his feet. Anyway, uh, we open up to the beginning of the story. We have a bunch of runes, and then we have a, a caption right in the middle of that that says, "'Do you lack faith, brother?' Or do you believe? And we look at uh, some other runes, kind of like we're showing what all these Viking runes are. The the narration says, there are symbols and signs. The lightning, and they show the uh, SS symbol. The black sun, and they show that symbol, the the radiating uh, zigzaggy lines coming out. There are things predetermined. Fate neither avoided nor delayed. And they show the um fortune telling runes that sometimes you see like these pretend psychics use uh to try to tell the future and then we shift to a uh illustration of of what appears to be Ragnarok so this is what's going on and we see um Baldr laying dead with the you know the the arrow through his chest we see the dead ravens and we see Asgard burning and Thor looking on during all of this. And the caption says, Betrayal, death, and the great fall, Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. And Thor says, it burns. And we have a, a scene here, double page, of you know Yggdrasil, the great ash tree, coming up out of the ground. And we have the frost giants invading Asgard and all the buildings and ruins. And with them are what look like World War II Nazi soldiers, and they're you know coming with their their machine guns across. Uh, and we see Thor and some other people standing in the ruins of the city. And Thor says, "The World Tree burns. Surely this is the end of all things." And we have Ultimate Thor. Jonathan Hickman was the writer. Carlos Pachejo, Pacheco. Or Pacheco Was the artist, Dexter Vines was the inker, Edgar Delgado was the colorist. Uh, They also did the cover, and there were variant covers that we don't really care about. VC's Clayton Cowles did the lettering, Sana Amanat was the assistant editor, Mark Paniccia was the senior editor, Joe Casada was the editor in chief, Dan Buckley was the publisher, and Alan Fine was the executive producer. The story begins at a place called The Dome brussels e-u-s-s high command it says and i'm assuming that that's something having to do with the ultimate universe which i'm not really familiar with but anyway uh it's a kind of a ufo looking uh you know flying saucer-ish looking building in brussels and we see a doctor at a desk you can tell he's a doctor because he's wearing a lab coat and he's he's uh, recording something here and he says uh European Super Soldier Initiative Daily Log Progress Report File under personal record J. Braddock Entry number 315.02 Subject's condition continues to deteriorate. He displays a general detachment from reality resulting in frequent outbursts and unexplainable erratic behavior. We've exhausted all internal resources and as such I have solicited outside help in this. And we have a young man enter with long blonde hair, and he appears to be wearing a superhero costume under his white lab coat. And uh, he says, he's here, Dad. Ah, wonderful. Thank you, Brian. And we see as we get a close-up, it, it is actually Captain Britain. We can make out the Captain Britton costume here under his uh, lab coat. And uh, Brian says, are you sure it's wise to go forward with this? Letting up isn't an option, son. We are already too far behind the Americans. The combination of their independent developers and government-sponsored programs has proven to be shockingly effective. More importantly, we have no way of knowing what caused our problem with the subject. Remember, not only was he the perfect specimen, but the belt, the harness, the power source, all of these were created, genetically keyed to specifically suit him. Was the problem the man, or is he a victim of our technology? We have to know. And you think this man can help, says Brian. He's an expert in mental health who professionally dabbles in linguistics. I certainly hope that's the case. And they're coming down a, a stairway, the, the Braddocks, and there's a guy in a blue suit with a cane standing at the bottom of the, uh, the stairs, standing in a big circle o' stars. The uh, doctor says, uh, Dr. Donald Blake, I presume. Yes, says Dr. Blake. A pleasure. I'm Professor James Braddock. This is my son, Brian. Thank you for agreeing to this, doctor, says Brian. Of course, says Don Blake. Follow me. The patient is this way. Can you give me an update on his condition? says Blake. For the past few days he's been writing a lot. At first we thought it was gibberish, random symbols loosely related to his personal history. On a whim, Brian took some pictures of what the patient had written down and ran them through image recognition software linked to the EU Digital Archive. We found out that a bunch of it is from something called the Poetic Edda, which is like, it's Norse mythology, says Blake. Yes, I'd like to see him now. And we are looking at a uh, giant one-way glass... Uh, window and inside we see a figure who's on the floor and he's writing in like this giant circle uh with, it looks like uh, a pencil or a pen and uh, writing on the floor and uh, we shift to inside and uh, Blake has gone in to um to talk to him and Blake says hello and you must be the man they have sent to help me you're a doctor of psychiatry I presume among other things says Blake Then be forewarned. It is not delusion or madness you'll find here, Doctor, but purpose and destiny. Professor Braddock will have told you that I am Thorleaf Goleman. This is incorrect. I am Thor, God of Thunder, and I will be called the name my father gave me. Of course. And I am only here to help you, Thor. Why don't you tell me how I can do that? May I have your pen? This one is almost empty, and I'm almost finished. Certainly, says Blake, and hands him a pen. Uh, interestingly enough, the pen that he hands him is red and has has runes on it, so that's interesting. They're standing of course in the circle and and thor is is writing all these things in the circle. It looks incomplete, says Blake. It's all I can remember, says Thor. A rather ominous place to leave off, don't you think you can read this? I can then do so. There is a storm coming, yes, says Thor. Yes, there is. And he is looking it up in a kind of a forlorn way. And we shift scenes to Wevelsburg Castle in Nordheim, Westfalen. And it is Germany 1939. We have a masked villain-looking character uh, who looks to me like Baron Zemo, and I'm assuming that that's who it is. And we also have a Nazi officer sitting at a desk, And they're speaking in English because it's an English comic, and they're really speaking German. One hundred thousand men, says the Nazi. Just as we are staging on both the eastern and southern fronts, you want one hundred thousand men for a secret mission. Baron, you test my patience. Oh, oh, it's supposed to be Heinrich (laughs) Himmler. And uh, Zemo says, Well then, Reichsfuhrer Himmler, lucky for me that you are a man of great tolerance. Speak your mind, Zemo. I don't have time to play games. It would be better just to show you, says Zemo. And he opens up this gold box that he's carrying around with him. And it is full of those runes that we saw on the splash page. So the the, uh, the casting runes, as it were. And uh is like, Mein Gott, these are the stuff of legend, Reichsführer. Yes, from the hidden code in the sacred text, the poetic Edda. But it also speaks of using these in conjunction with something called an access point. The runes are useless without locating one. How fortunate, then, that I have found such a place, says Zemo. And Himmler reaches around, and he grabs a telephone, he picks it up, and he makes a call. Prepare an immediate charge order for the garrison commander at Buchwald. One hundred thousand SS to the command of Baron Heinrich Zemo. You have your men, Baron. And Zemo holds up the S rune, uh, the lightning rune, and says, Heil Hitler. And we shift scenes again to Asgard. It says, Asgard, eons ago. And we see a lightning bolt coming down and look in the shape of an S like this rune. And we see people walking through the snow. And it turns out it's Thor and it appears to be Loki. At least it's a version of Loki and, of course, a version of Thor that we really haven't seen before. And they are running through a snowy forest and they've got weapons and things with them. Loki is saying, hurry, hurry now. The Western Wall has fallen and the giants of icy Jotunheim have broken through. Baldur the Brave stands alone. And we shift to Baldur and he is uh, wearing purple and he's got a big old sword and he is hacking these frost giants in two And there's this battle going on, and they they outnumber him, but he doesn't seem too worried about it. And the ice giants are going, "'This one has true metal, heart and blood and bone. "'All the better and all the more delicious,' says one of them. "'We're going to put you in a pot, boy,' says the third. "'Year after unending year, you throw yourselves at us,' says Balder. "'You test us, we men of Asgard. You test us to see if we are wanting. "'Come and find your answer here, beast.' I swear you will not like it, says Balder. And he gets a tighter grip on his sword and attacks them going, yar, And they're also going, yar, And there's lots of uh, hacking and slashing going on. And all of a sudden, there's a thunk, thunk, thunk as arrows pass through the heads of these uh, frost giants, just kind of shattering it. And yeah and it's really easy to take these things out i guess with an arrow <laughs> and uh, balder turns and he says took you long enough and thor and loki are there and it turns out it was loki who fired the arrows and and loki says thor and i were warm and well entertained by the women of folk fields consider yourself fortunate we came at all brother be wary balder says thor loki lies we were drinking as well but not enough says loki So shall we deal death to the rabble and then return to the living? For Asgard! For Asgard! They all shout and they go fighting the uh, group of ice giants that are here and they are being taken out rather easily by these three with arrows and swords and and all this. One of the uh, the, the ice giants grabs Loki from behind and and lifts him up and he he grabs his bow and, and throws it away broken. And the ice giant is... Hello, little half-breed. In our great hall, your mother's lament is incessant. How she misses her precious child sent to Asgard as a peace offering. Perhaps I'll bring her back your head and replace sad song with true sorrow. And Loki pulls out a, um, like a a dirk, uh, like a large dagger, and uh, basically stabs the uh, ice giant through the face with it, killing it. And he says, mind your own, and uh, jumps down with a whump. And we see uh, Thor is fighting three of these things with his sword, and they're uh, attacking him with these big wooden clubs, but he's just slicing them apart with his sword. Uh, Beautifully drawn little fight scene here. We see this sort of battle ballet that Thor is doing. The you know, it's, it's kind of this flowing fighting that's going on, and Thor is just pretty easily just chopping these things in half with a chunk and a swath and, and a whump, as he uh, you know is slicing these things in two with with his sword. And uh, one of the giants gets lucky and has a you know giant club like like most of them do, and he hits Thor with a whump, sends Thor flying, and Thor Thor is stunned and he's on the ground. The giant is towering over him to uh, to to give him a death blow. And then all of a sudden, a, a sword blade appears from the middle of his chest. And the giant goes, erk, and falls down. It is Loki. And Loki has uh, slain the giant and says, uh, How many times must I tell you to watch your back, Thor? And Thor, as he gets up off the ground, is smiling at his brother. And he says, "'I knew you would be there, Loki. You are always there.'" And Loki helps him up, and uh, he tells his brother, "'You have too much faith in things that may not last. "'And you think we have no choice in whether they do or not,' says Thor. "'We warriors three are not slaves to fate, Loki. "'We will make our own way. "'And I have told you before, Thor, Ragnarok is real. "'There will be a last day. Everything ends.'" And as he very seriously pronounces this, he's hit in the face with a snowball, with a whomp and it is Balder. And Baldur, you know, we see Baldr kind of shaking the snow off his hands, and he says, Grim, always grim and boring. Rejoice in victory, brothers, says Balder. Rest easy. This day belongs to the sons of Odin. Aye, says Thor, and the three of them are are happy about the uh, this battle being over. Loki seems to be less so, uh, but you know, that's typical of Loki. Loki is being portrayed here a little bit differently than what we've seen before, and and he still has this sort of dark look about him as he always has, but he's more heroic looking, I would say, in, in this, at least in, in a marginal way. Anyway, they're getting ready to leave and all the giants are gone. And Loki is sighing here. Every year, the attacks on our walls increase. Perhaps my mood would be better if I believed there was a way to win this unending war. Oh, there is Loki, says Balder. I know a secret. Father, builds something. And we shift to a forge and we see a, a troll, uh, interestingly enough. Uh, and the troll is hammering on a molten piece of metal, and in the back we see a uh, an older guy with one eye, who is our ultimate Odin. And Odin is being portrayed rather differently. I mean, here he looks like uh, he's kind of gaunt, and you know he's he's obviously older, but still very muscular. And yeah, it's a kind of a different view of Odin than what we've had before. And it turns out that this troll who's hammering on this this metal is Ulrich. A nice artistic touch here as he's hammering this. Instead of sparks flying off, we have little glowing runes flying off. So that's kind of a a cool little touch that they have here. And uh, Odin is saying, Forge it in fire, Ulrich. Forge it with purpose. World crusher and summoner of lightning. It will be called Mjolnir. This is the season of the long hunt. And all Father Odin demands a perfect weapon and yeah you see odin looking almost sinister here um you know as as he is wont to do on occasion we then shift scenes we're back in germany in 1939 it says in just uh, near niebel in northern germany and we've got baron zemo and he's got his all his ss and they have a bunch of tanks and things i think you'd have a lot of trouble hiding a hundred thousand men here in this little uh clearing, but anyway, uh, Zemo saying, set up a perimeter watch, and one of the soldiers is like, we've located the control pillar for the access point, Baron, bring the stones, says Baron Zemo, and the, uh, the, they're approaching what looks like a, like a petrified stump, it's, it's made of stone, but it looks almost like a tree, a uh, tree stump. And there's like a, some indent indentations in the thing, and also a place that obviously is carved in there for you to, somebody to put their hand on. The soldier who is with Zemo is saying, like, "Here it is, sir. Tell me what you have learned, Helmut. There are twenty-four sacred runes, one rune on each stone, so twenty-four stones. On the pillar, there should be three spaces, one for each stone." And above that, the means to activate the device if you know the secret word, which I do. And the, uh, the guy puts his, uh, his hand on, the, on the, the, the place where you put your hand. And he says the secret word, which uh, apparently it's in runes. So I can't really tell what it is. Something op or hisoth or something like that. Anyway, it's uh, <laughs> because I'm not sure that all of these are real runes. <laughs> Hisoth's. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Anyway, uh, so he does that and all of a sudden there's a rumble and these uh, very large ornately carved Viking rune stones kind of come up out of the ground, uh, creating this sort of Stonehenge-ish stone circle kind of thing. It reminds me in, in a very odd way of the Indiana Jones movie where they had that giant temple. I think that was the crystal skull. Anyway, they've got these giant stones coming up from out of the ground and, and rumbling. And uh, Zemo says, Behold the Rainbow Gate. Unbelievable, says Helmut. But Baron, how are we supposed to know which stone goes in which place? The gate can access any of the seven realms. Stone can only be used in conjunction with its two sister stones. Obviously, three stones make a sequence. And all of these, like the location of this place, were found within the sacred text. For example... This is the Aesir sequence, and there's these kind of glowing runes floating in front of uh, Zemo's face. It is what we will use to reach our eventual target, Asgard. I will slide these into place. The gate will emit a purple light, and then a portal will appear between the two largest pillars. I promised Himmler that we would then march the armies of the Reich into the home of the gods, defeat them and return here with our mystic plunder to purify this world and remake it in the image of the Führer. But first, something else. And Helmut says, uh, What? And (laughs) Zemo's like, Another sequence. Lower on the spectrum. And he pulls out uh, more runes, and he puts the uh, runes in the little slots thingy, and all of a sudden, we have ice giants appearing on Earth, uh, coming out of this, uh, you know, basically this is the Bifrost, as it were. And they are dressed in German Wehrmacht uniforms, which looks very, very silly, I have to say. Though, though incredibly well-drawn, as we'll talk about at the end. Uh, anyway, so we have all these ice giants, and um, they're showing up in their, their German uniforms. And Zemo saying, Wunders not take the city of the gods with only tanks and guns. We will require allies, allies whose hate burns as hotly as our own. Now, I'm not sure if this is supposed to be a symbolic picture of the ice giants or whether they're actually there. But anyway, we have a to be continued. And that is Ultimate Thor, issue number one. Coming next issue, Loki's Lies. And we'll be talking all about this issue and telling you what we thought about it after this message. Hi, I'm Josiah. And I'm Mike. And we're the host of how, how Star Wars Is It? It's a podcast where we rate and review things like movies. But not of how good or bad they are. Yeah, no, how Star Wars they are. And what does that mean, you might ask? It's a little something like this. If Star Wars was Everybody Loves Raymond, this is King of Queens. If Chris Farley was still around. Yeah, Kevin James wouldn't exist. I have a game. It is called Sebulba. <laughs> Or Bulbasaur. <laughs> yeah, when that, he was a Palpatine. Do we have like an animated show that we could pitch? The Emperor his and his Palpatine. Takes Count Dooku is around his age, plus yeah, or maybe minus like, a decade. Maybe like Count Dude-ku. That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> if that sounded good, or Star Wars, then check us out on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts at How Star Wars Is It? And like we always say, may the, the fourth, fourth be, be with, with you. you. And we're back, and uh, just a few words about this issue. So, I know that this is one of those series that that has a lot of mixed reviews, and some people don't really like it, and it's kind of, among the Thor fans, it's certainly a little bit controversial, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to cover it, because I kind of wanted to see this for myself. And so far, it's got an interesting premise. Now, obviously, I don't know how... Realistic, any of this would be. I mean, there there seem to be a lot of very strange uh, coincidences, and Zemo obviously having this arcane knowledge. That really, where would he get this knowledge from? Um, I'm assuming that these soldiers at the end of the issue with the, the Wehrmacht uniforms on, on ice giants, is a, uh, a poetic license sort of thing. I don't think that they're actually there, though I could be wrong, and we'll find out next time probably. But it would make more sense if this is sort of just a, uh, a symbolic thing. Um, the writing, generally speaking, is fairly tight. It's clear that this is set out to have a uh, you know, a very... Deliberate structure, and I think that that's what, is, that's what we're seeing. I think that we're seeing a, a pretty well put together, well paced, well structured story. I like the art a lot. Um, the, the, the artist on this is really, really good. And he's really good at showing movement. I love this fight of uh, Thor and Balder and Loki against the the ice giants at the very beginning. And you you really do get a, a wonderful sense of motion from what's going on here. Thor spinning around and slashing with his swords and, and just crushing these things uh, with, you know, with his sword. Uh, Loki's arrows flying through. The, this artist, uh, Pacheco, really is is very adept at, at drawing a, a great action sequence. He's also really good on figures. He's also, you know, he's got a really good sense of anatomy. It's stylized without being cartoony. And it's a, there's a simplistic line here that I find very appealing. I happen to like, you know, very tight pencils and... I mean, I like some of the looser stuff too when it's well done, like like we see with uh, Walt Simonson. But here, I yeah, you know, we we actually have what I think is a very tightly rendered set of pencils. I would love to own a piece of this, and probably you know, considering the reputation of the series, they're probably not that hard to come by. So I'm definitely going to keep my eyes out for it. But the um, the 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 movement is is wonderful. I like how he's not just taking what we see in the normal Marvel universe and he's kind of twisting everything and putting it on its head. Having Thor appear as this supposed crazy person, and he might actually be a crazy person, you know, we we really don't know at this point. Is he a crazy person? Is he not? I think that's the mystery that they're trying to set up. Obviously because it's a story about a superhero, um, you know, we're we the reader need to believe that he's the real thing otherwise the story kind of falls apart a little bit you know <laughs> so but anyway I, I think it's a it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting concept and something that i'm looking forward to seeing how you know how this uh, concept plays out in, in the next three issues um yeah so that's about all i have to say about the issue and that's it for this week Thanks very much, folks, for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you want to email the show, you're more than welcome to do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. Hopefully we will get your email right away and not three months from now. And if you want to join us on Facebook, you can do that too. Just look for Radio Free Asgard on Facebook. And uh, yeah, use, use the little searchy box and you will find us. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time. Here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders, and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast, and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard.